We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, a former professor from the Soviet Union who now works in the United States in one of our seminal universities says that our educational system is an Orwellian nightmare and that if we don't wake up, we are going to become a totalitarian state in the blink of an eye. I'm Dr. Ever Piper and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Today's show, this professor from a university in California who has come out and said that what we're doing in the United States is exactly what she experienced in the Soviet Union. She's an immigrant to the United States from the former Soviet Union. She works at the University of Southern California, USC. Her name is Anna Krylov. She's a chemist. So she's an accomplished individual, very bright person. She has her terminal degree in chemistry. She works at USC, the University of Southern California. And she wrote in the periodical, in the media piece called Heterodox STEM. And then the college fix picked this up and reported on it. She wrote that we are creating an atmosphere of ideological control, omnipresence of ideology and that it is identical to what she experienced in the Soviet Union. Here's one of her quotes before we take a break. I thought I would never again experience an atmosphere of ideological control, omnipresence of ideology, policing of speech and thought, suppression of dissent, compelled speech, fear, and self-censorship. That's one of the things that she's talking about right now with regard to her experience here in the American Academy. We're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about it within the context of all of education. And then I also want to talk about it within the context of another individual that I do not agree with, nor do many of you, and that's Malcolm X. Malcolm X, obviously, the deceased Malcolm X, the competitor with Martin Luther King Jr. in terms of the solution for racism in America, the solution for the African-American community. As you know, Malcolm X believed in violence, whereas Martin Luther King Jr. believed in peace. Fortunately, by God's grace, MLK Jr.'s philosophy, ideology, and leadership prevailed in the 60s, whereas Malcolm X did not per se, but his ideas live on. I was assigned Malcolm X when I was a student in college, to read about him in a favorable way. We were actually assigned Alex Haley's biography of Malcolm X, which is a favorable biography. So I read about him. One of his quotes was this, only a fool would let his enemies educate his children. He's absolutely right. 
Absolutely right. Only a fool would let his enemies educate his children. That's exactly what you're doing right now if you continue to stick your head in the sand with regard to education, not just at the University of Southern California, but at your local schools, your local elementary schools, your local junior highs and high schools. Only a fool would let his enemies educate his children. Malcolm X. Education matters. Education will be the precursor of what our civilization, what our culture, what our society, what our country will become. If you continue to indoctrinate your children at the youngest ages in sexual nihilism, in socialism, in communism, in critical theory, critical race theory, if you continue to tear down the very foundation, not just the building, but the very foundation of a free society and a free people, a free thinking people, you're going to have exactly what Anna Krylov is telling us exists in the American Academy, exemplified in the University of Southern California right now, where she says, I thought I would never again experience an atmosphere of ideological control omnipresence of ideology, policing of free speech and thought, suppression of dissent, compelled speech, fear, and self-censorship. These totalitarian tendencies in American education, she's saying, recall Soviet communism, self-censorship, fear, pervasive ideology, intolerance of dissent, and top-down social engineering. It's like George Orwell's 1984, which describes, as you know, a totalitarian dystopia of all of these things, these features that Krylov is saying exist right now. She's not saying it's coming. She's saying it exists right now. And she's not a professor of uh, English or American history. She's not a professor of theology or philosophy. She's a professor of chemistry. She's writing this in a periodical for STEM, S-D-E-M, the hard sciences. But she's saying even in that arena, there's intolerance for dissent. There's top-down social engineering. It's a totalitarian dystopia. Here in America, in academic life in America, that is the same as she experienced in the Soviet Union before she immigrated. I'm going to talk about this article. I'm going to tell you again. You ignore this to your peril. Oh, you don't have kids in school, you say. What do you care? Your neighbors have kids in school. Your kids have kids in school. Your nieces and nephews have kids in school. This is not something that you can sidestep because you're retired and you don't have to worry about your local schools any longer. You have to worry about everything that takes place in education because education sets the context for what our society believes. Over and over again, we've asked the question, how did all of this lunacy happen overnight? How did... All of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, women, how did they lose their bathrooms and their showers and their sports and their scholarships? How did that happen? Oh, well, that'll never happen. That's what I heard when I warned of this only a decade ago. I said, it's coming. 
It's coming. And even conservatives kind of distance themselves from me because, well, that's kind of crazy. That's hyperbole. You're exaggerating. That'll never happen. Well, here we are. And now when I warn or somebody like me warns that the next shoe to fall will be polygamy and the legalization of incest. Why can't two consulting adults who happen to be father and daughter get married? You know, the Respect for Marriage Act would would respect that decision, wouldn't it? It's a consenting decision, a 21-year-old daughter and a 41-year-old father. If they want to get married to each other, who cares? Who are you to judge? Oh, that'll never happen. Mark my words, we'll be talking about it in the blink of an eye. How about polygamy? If more than two people want to get married, if three, if four, or five, as long as they're consenting adults... Who cares about that? Well, that'll never happen. You watch. It'll happen in a second. All this other garbage that was more absurd than what I'm suggesting right now happened quickly, didn't it? You were surprised by that. You were caught off guard by that. You said that'll never happen. When when I and others warned that Obergefell would open the door to endless reinterpretations of the family, Endless reinterpretations of the family. It's not going to stop there. And I've told you before, it's not going to stop with incest or polygamy. It's going to then go to interspecies relationships. Who's to say that if you're attracted to another species, that you can't have a meaningful, fulfilling relationship with another species? You shake your head. That'll never happen. Yes, it will. We've opened the door to this nonsense. And where did it all start? It started in your schools. And now they're doubling down. They're getting caught. Angry parents and others are going to school board meetings and reading the books that they won't even allow read in school board meetings because they're so graphic. They're so pornographic. They say, no, you have to stop reading that. And they're actually using police to usher these fathers and mothers out of school board meetings because you're being disruptive. You're the terrorist. You're a domestic terrorist because you're reading what they're assigning to their children. That's all you're doing. It's okay for 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds to read this garbage, but you can't read it openly in a school board meeting? Well, that'll never happen. It's happening right now. Only a fool would allow his enemy to educate his children. You're being played. You're being played, and I'm going to say it right now. You're being foolish. You're being foolish. You've got drag queen story hours for two-year-olds at Oklahoma State University. They're distributing condoms to fifth graders in the entire school system, kindergarten through 12th grade in Chicago. Condoms to fifth graders. They're teaching masturbation to first graders in New York City. They're claiming that fixing sexual biases of three-month-old babies is necessary in the Arizona State school system. They're critiquing cis-heteropatriarchy at the National Education Association. Randy Wittengarten, the president of that organization, the biggest teachers union in the nation, that gives tens of millions of dollars to left-wing political candidates to perpetuate this nonsense that I'm talking about right now. Critiquing cis-heteropatriarchy? What's that? Breaking down the nuclear family. Getting rid of one mother, one father, living together in a marital bond till death do them part. 
and raising their children to be moral, thoughtful citizens. That's cis-heteropatriarchy. They're critiquing it, meaning they're criticizing it. They're tearing it down. They're teaching your kids it's wrong. It's bad. The blatant racism of critical race theory, the sleight of hand of social-emotional learning, the ontological insanity of LGBTQIA+. Did you know they're adding a Z to the end of that? Joy Hoffmeister was actually caught quoting LGBTQIA plus Z. What's Z? Zoophilia. Cross-species relationships. I'm not kidding. Oh, that'll never happen. It will happen. They're already talking about it. The overt misogyny of trans ideology. It's misogynistic for a man to culturally appropriate female identity. Like I've said, dressing up in blackface, mimicking, mocking, caricature of a woman. That's misogyny. That's not equality. That's not equity. That's hate for women. It's misogynistic. The divisive hatred of BLM, Black Lives Matter. You can't see the hate dripping from this agenda. They're breaking windows. We were in St. Louis just this past weekend. There are still windows through business sections, plywood on hotel doors because of what took place in the Black Lives Matter riots. The pervasive arrogance of the National Education Association. This all has to stop. Only a fool would allow his enemy to educate his children. Let's take a break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Let's go back to this article. I'm actually reading from uh, College Fix, but the article was was originally written in Heterodox STEM. It's written by Anna... Krylov, excuse me, Krylov, C-R-Y-L-O-V, Krylov. 
She's a chemist at the University of Southern California. She left the Soviet Union in 1991 after the collapse of the Berlin Wall. Obviously, she was a younger, a younger woman at the time, but she still is a professor working at the University of Southern California in the chemistry department. Uh, by her picture, I'd say she's probably in her mid-50s. Uh, so she's got a career ahead of her yet. She may be younger than that, actually. Um, here's more of what she says in this article. Self-censorship, the refusal to produce, distribute, circulate, or express something for fear of punishment is a second pandemic in the American universities right now, she wrote. When I chose not to stay in a faculty meeting, that considering only diversity candidates for a faculty search is discriminatory because I am afraid of being ostracized or worse. This is self-censorship. So what she's saying right there, that she chose to leave a faculty meeting that was um, essentially a faculty search committee that was considering diversity as a primary, a uh, first thing, a primary consideration for uh, candidates for hiring. Um, and if you refuse to consider diversity, uh, it was you were branded as being discriminatory. Uh, you were afraid of being ostracized or worse. And she's saying when you feel that way and you leave a meeting, that's a form of self-censorship. Rather than expressing your views and saying, no, I'm not discriminatory. I just think this other candidate is better qualified, a better candidate for a faculty appointment than someone else, and I'm not going to allow race to be part of my consideration. When you're told that you're the bigot, you're the racist, you're discriminating, when you refuse to allow color of skin to be a discriminating factor, when you say, I prefer to be colorblind rather than color fixated, when you're afraid to say that and when you leave a meeting because you believe what I just said and apparently what this woman believes, you're self-censure, excuse me, you're self-censoring yourself. It's a form of what she said, self-censorship. This fear, she says, is experienced at all career stages from graduate students to emeritus faculty. And it is rational, she said. The stories of many canceled professors who refuse to self-censor, demonstrate the academics. These people have good reason to fear dissent on diversity issues. She actually cites specific individuals who have suffered career loss. You know, the, the rule of the gang, the rage of the mob, comes down upon them because they dare question the narrative this article says that 80% of faculty participants in the MIT Free Speech Alliance poll responded with a yes when they were asked, are you worried, given the current atmosphere in society, that your voice or your colleagues' voices are increasingly in jeopardy? 80% of the faculty said yes. We're reminded in this article that a totalitarian system is one where ideology pervades everything. Krylov says this, in the USSR, everything and everyone was scrutinized through the lens of Marxist-Leninist ideology. The universities analyzed every topic in the Soviet Union. They analyzed, they controlled, they directed every topic, whether it was literature, history, fashion, science, religion, 
everything was analyzed and sifted through the grid, listen to this, of class struggle between oppressors and oppressed. That's critical theory. Back then, it was the economic struggle, the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie. It was the haves and haves not. Those people that had economic means and those that didn't. It was the businessmen, if you will, against the workers, the working class, the blue collar, white collar versus blue collar. That's what was driving Marxist and Leninist ideology then in the Soviet Union. But as we've talked about on this show, because it didn't work, Marxism predicted the overthrow of the bourgeoisie by the proletariat. But it didn't work. The proletariat, as they watched people pull themselves up by their bootstraps, become successful. I'll use myself as an example right now. I grew up in a blue-collar family, in a proletariat family, if you will. My dad didn't have a high school degree, nor did my mom. My dad was a truck driver. My mom worked some odd jobs to help add some income to the family. I had the ability to do different, and my mom and dad knew it. They encouraged me to go get an education. Oh, I had a great job in the factory making good money. But they encouraged me, in their own way, to go do something different, get an education. So after I worked in the factory third shift, I I washed off the grease and drove up the road to the closest Christian liberal arts college, a half hour away, and took one course, paid for it out of my own pocket, took one course to see if I could actually get a decent grade at the collegiate level. I did, and therefore I quit my job and the money that I had saved at the factory. Again, a good job, making good money. I'd saved enough to go to college. Essentially pay my own way, at least for a year or so, and then figure it out from there. And I did. Worked very hard during the summer to save more money, to pay my bills. Took out a couple loans and paid those back in very short order. What's the point here? The point is, there was a way to get up and out. And Marxism was proven false. My, My little experience proves it false. If you're part of the proletariat, you can become successful. The American dream is real. You can actually do something different. Because you have freedom. Free enterprise is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Freedom to do what you want with your money rather than having, having it being stolen from you via excessive taxation by the government. Freedom to do what you want with your own money, your own property, is a good thing. Well, because the proletariat recognized this in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even recognizes it now, Marxism was proven false. What did they do? Gramucci and others recognized those at the Frankfurt School recognized that they needed to create a different class struggle. Not the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat, not an economic struggle per se, but one of social injustice. You know, the intersectionalities, critical theory, the cisgendered heteropatriarchy became the new bourgeoisie. And everybody else, everybody else that was caught in the injustice 
of intersectionality. Whether you're a woman, whether you're LGBTQIA, whether you're black, Hispanic, everybody else, if you're not white European male, you're the proletariat. And the struggle was then laid over the top of everything that we do. Oh, that'll never happen. Nobody will ever buy those lies, right? Well, here we are. Your kids believe it. They're teaching it in every discipline. Why do you think there's such a battle right now raging in the academy, in your local schools, over critical theory? Here in Oklahoma, we've got House Bill 1775, which makes it illegal in the state of Oklahoma to teach critical theory. And actually, they don't even say that. They don't say critical theory. They say in the bill that it's illegal in Oklahoma to teach students that one race is superior or inferior to another race. That's all it says. Now, who would want to teach anything different? Do you want to teach that blacks are inferior to other races? That's racism, people. That's what they used to do. We've corrected those things through the pursuit of truth, not through Marxist ideology, not through perpetuating class conflict. Critical race theory teaches that one race is superior or inferior to another race. It teaches that if you are a cisgendered white male, you're inferior, you're responsible, you're just that way. You can't do anything about it. That's what it teaches. It's racism. House Bill H, excuse me, House Bill uh, 1775 teaches or says, codifies into law that it's illegal to perpetuate that type of racism in our classrooms. And the leftists are having a kitten over the whole thing. Krylov says that even in some schools' mathematic programs, they're, they're now fo focused on or fixated on social justice. You can't even dissent when it comes to mathematic discussions. Social coercion and ostracism are omnipresent, just like they were in the USSR. Cancel culture. This Krylov is writing that cancel culture is just what, it's, it's a carbon copy of what took place in the Soviet Union during the 50s, 60s, 70s. Dissidents are disinvited from universities. They're deplatformed. They're fired. Journalists retract scientific papers because some people find their results to be offensive and contradictory to the dominant narrative. This is what a former Soviet Union citizen is saying of our United States of America right now institutionalizing censorship. In a recent Royal Society of Chemistry paper, guidelines to editors say that they have to consider whether or not any content in a submitted manuscript might have potential to cause offense. So really, if the facts offend somebody, you can't present the facts, you can't discuss those, you can't write about those, they won't be published. That's what's being said in the Royal Society of Chemistry. Their guidelines. Here's more. The memos on published policies emphasize that it is the perception of the recipient that determines offense, regardless of author intent. And that's a quote from the Royal Society of Chemistry. <laughs> so if somebody is delusional and their perception is that they're offended? That becomes reality. This is chemistry. This is supposed to be the hard sciences. We've lost our ever-loving minds. 
in September of 2022 in the Science Journal called Nature Human Behavior, they reaffirmed the decision to update editorial and ethics guidelines to avoid publishing research that may cause, quote, indirect harm to human population groups. Kryloff is pointing all of this out, and she's saying this is very dangerous. This is not academic inquiry. This is propaganda. It's news speak. It's Orwellian. It's 1984. It reduces thought to nothing but propaganda, parroting the narrative. It eliminates words from our lexicon. You can't even express certain words and thoughts any longer. Kryloff goes on and on talks about how the American university is nothing but a carbon copy of the Soviet Union, and we're suffering the consequences therein. You know that in my book, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, I talk about this. I talk about the dangers of abandoning truth with a capital T and allowing our political agendas to dictate what we're going to teach to our kids. I'm going to close with this, reminding you again what Malcolm X said. Only a fool would allow his enemy to educate his children. You're being played right now, people. It's foolish to allow these schools because they are your enemy. They're not your friend. You are a fool to let them educate your kids. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. <laughs>